It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This podcast is brought to you by Live Casino, as always. Always appreciate them. And the plan for today to wrap up the week, preparing for the Falcons. I have a bunch of general bullet points here to go over about where both these teams are at. Yesterday, we did offense and defense. And then the second half of the pod is going to be key matchups you know, on both sides of the ball. We'll wrap those up. And there's I got about five or six of those total. So let's just dig in. You know what time it is? It's time for football and time to jump into the action at FanDuel Sportsbook and lounge at Live Casino. Bet on your favorite teams at our self-service kiosk and sit back and watch the players duke it out on the field on our massive 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Falcons are 4-2 at home. Against one and five on the road this year, they're only two games. They're two games below five hundred, but they're only half a game out of first place in the dreadful NFC South. Steelers would actually be in the playoff hunt in the NFC, let alone the NFC South. Anyway, um, but Atlanta's lost three of their last four, though. Um, they have four losses in their last six games, and their two wins in that six-game stretch are over the Panthers and Bears, who are a combined seven and seventeen, and are frankly two of the worst teams in the league. Um, yards per play. Atlanta's offense is at 5.5 and the Steelers offense averages 4.8. The Steelers D gives up 5.7, but over the past three weeks, that's down to 5.1. Um, Atlanta, on the other hand, they give up 5.8 and they're down to 4.9 over their last three. So their defense has tightened up a little bit. Um, this might shock you. Steelers are now plus two in turnover differential and only seven teams are better. I mean, they keep climbing up this ranking. Atlanta's minus one. Um, Steelers 16 takeaways are seventh best in the league, even though they have a league low three fumble recoveries. I'm going to stop there just for a second. They're going to get more fumble recoveries. They're, I'm a big believer in fumble luck. You know, once the ball hits the ground, I don't know that there's a tremendous skill to picking it up. It's just how does the ball bounce, who's where, that type of thing. Having a league low fumble recovery situation is actually a good thing because chances are going forward, you're going to pick up fumbles at a higher rate, you know, and and I don't think it's they can't cause them or, boy, they're, they're so bad at recovering fumbles. They've just been unlucky. So that'll probably get better. Um, along those lines, the Falcons have lost eight fumbles, which is the fourth most in the NFL. 
Um, just behind the Steelers, Atlanta's defense has 15 takeaways. Steelers have taken the ball away 16 times. So in Kenny Pickett's first five games as a starter, and two of those were blowouts, the Steelers were minus 65 in point differential. But in his last three, they're plus 10. Things are getting better. Um, the Falcons offense produces 315 yards, and the Steelers produce 313 yards per game. That's 27th and 28th in the NFL. Uh, Atlanta is averaging just over 100 fewer passing yards per game than they allow per game. That's the biggest differential in a negative way in the league. So teams are throwing on them and they're not throwing back. You know, it's basically what that is. Not a surprise with the way they're built. Uh, the Steelers are up to eighth overall in time of possession at 30-44. But over their past three games, the Steelers possess the football for just under 34 minutes on average. That's a massive number. Um, Atlanta is down, on the other hand. They are just under 29 minutes. So for the season, they're 28th in time of possession, which is a huge deal for them. I mean, they're trying to shorten games, run the ball. You would think they'd be really high. And over the last three games, they are really bad at 25-49 time of possession. So over the last three games, Steelers are just under 34 the Falcons are just under 26. That doesn't sound like a thought a lot. It's time. I mean, if they can ha keep that trend going, I would be blown away if the Steelers don't win this game easily. Um, this is kind of interesting. It's fluky, but it's just a little nugget. Um, Pittsburgh is 0-7 when the opposing team scores first. They're 4-0 when they, when they score first. So, is this mean something? Is it just the way the game goes? You get to play with the lead. You get to run the football. Should Mike Tomlin say, I want the ball first so I can score first? I don't know. Um, nine of the Falcons games this year have been one score games. That's the most of any team in the league. And they're four and five in those games. So they play close games a lot. Again, that's their style. They don't have a lot of talent. They want to shorten the game. And there you have it. Uh, Atlanta's remaining schedule has a win percentage thus far of just 42%. Only three teams face an easier remaining schedule. Uh, the Ravens are the only team remaining on Atlanta's schedule that currently has a winning record. But you know what? Baltimore is also the only team remaining on the Steelers' schedule that has a winning record as we speak. So those were my little nuggets there. We will talk about some matchups here after the break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, we're back. Two things really worry me about this game from a Steeler perspective that are not... You know, Super tangible or whatever. First off, Cordero Patterson. He's the best kickoff returner ever. The numbers back that up. The tape backs it up. I think Tomlin even said it this week. And as we figured out on our Monday night podcast, Tuesday podcast, kickoff coverage for the Steelers is a big problem. And they don't have a kicker that can just boom it out of the end zone. So he's going to get the football and they're going to have to tackle. That could be a problem. It's not like he's going to have three returns for touchdowns and be all their points, but uh, it's a big deal. It's a big positive for Atlanta. I mean, they're very happy to see the Steelers. He's going to be very happy to see the Steelers come to town. The other thing that worries me, especially with the style of play Atlanta employs, run, run, physicality, lots of big blocking tight ends on the field, things like that, a short week on the road if it's fatigue time in the fourth quarter, I mean, if, if the Steelers are hands on hips, bent over late, that's got to be the Falcons formula here. And, you know, traveling on a Monday night, I explained to you, you know, how little sleep the staff gets and things like that. And then, you know, the Wednesday practice is basically a glorified walkthrough because it's so, you know, quick to the game. And then you got to travel already. So those things matter. And this style of play lends itself to that being a problem potentially for the Steelers. So those are my two big things that worry me. A um, couple little nuggets when the Steelers have the football. I'm sure you know who Grady Jarrett is. He's a upfield Geno Atkins, Warren Sapp, John Randall type defensive tackle. A little undersized. He's had a great career. He's still playing very well. I don't think he's a top eight or ten defensive tackle right now, but he's not far off. And he will align on the outside shoulder of a guard. You know, he's a three technique, a very high percentage of the time, explode off the snap and try to win that B gap, you know, I mean, between the the, the tackle and the guard. Um, that could cause problems. I mean, I think the Steelers guards, particularly Daniels, are playing quite well, but he's a problem. You know, just watch his alignment, how they use him. Doesn't vary all that much. Um, the other star of the defense is A.J. Terrell, who is back to health, playing well. 
If we were drafting corners to build a team around, he'd be an early pick for me, considering his age, his length, his physicality, his man and zone skills. Last week against the Commanders, shadowing, I'm putting that in quotes, is not utilized nearly, nearly, nearly as much as you guys think. But they did make a concerted effort to put him on McLaurin last week, a lot. And so as much shadowing as there is in the league, he did a lot of that last week. I'm curious, will he do that against the Steelers? I've told you guys, and I know not everyone believes me, most teams after studying the Steelers and watching tape treat Deontay as the number one. But in this case, considering Terrell's skill set, I think he would do better against Pickens. They're both big, physical, attack-the-ball-to-catch-point guy. If Terrell has a weakness, it's not that he's a super shifty guy where Johnson's more that style. So we might see, and this is just going to be one of my pregame notes, of what do they do with Terrell? Do they just leave him on the side and let Steelers dictate where who he guards? Or do they man him up a lot against Pickens and then help a lot on Johnson then? You know, that's the approach I would take just because of the style Terrell is. And... I also don't think they're going to have a very good answer for Fryermuth. I mean, his usage it was a little down this past week. That doesn't matter to me at all. He's a foundational player that's going to get a lot of action. Like, if I'm looking at a DFS lineup, I'm strongly considering Fryermuth. I don't think their safeties, linebackers, whomever, are much of a match for him. Uh, other side of the ball. Again, I mean, the, the key here, the whole game, is stop the Falcons' run game. I mean, that's redundant. I've said it all week. Um, Drake London has not put up numbers for a couple months, but he's still a very good player. If I were the Falcons and we know that top receivers, and I'm not exactly lumping him with Tyree Kill or anybody like that yet, but he's at that Pickens level of rookie development. I mean, he is a chance to be a star, Drake London. He was the first receiver taken in the draft. But if I get one-on-one with him against any of the Steeler corners, I'm taking it whether that's just an out route or go balls or jump balls or down in the red zone. Uh, he's worries me a little bit from a Steeler perspective. I mean, I, I think the Steeler corners are played better last week. They're, they're not a terrible group, but if I get London one-on-one, I'm going there a lot. Uh, and I mentioned it before, I guess the short week number of snaps, time of possession, you want those things working in your favor on a short week on a road against a team like this. Um, the Falcons offense are not going to threaten you with four wide. You may not even see many three receiver sets. So I think you'll see more nose tackles on the field, more big people, more base three, four, less big nickel than we probably have seen in the past, even though that's certainly in the cards. And I'm sure that we'll see some three safeties out there at a time. You're not going to have as much slot corner usage. You're going to see big people on defense, you know, as a counter to their big people on offense. Is that good or bad? I don't think it's necessarily either for the Steelers. I don't love Tyson Alulu's play lately. I mean, where is he at on his, in terms of his snap counts in this game? I hope it's not over 10 or 12, um, which means more Adams, you know. But you're going to have to rotate those big people because it wears you down. Last note is... I think Spillane's going to play. I'm recording this like at noon on Thursday. I don't even know what the Thursday practice report is. But really interested in 
Bush's usage versus Spillane when both are healthy now? Are they in my corner where we're just going to have Bush and Jack be our, our every down linebackers and Spillane's role is just going to be spot duty? That would be my approach. I've said that 8,000 times in every week. And Bush played every snap last week and well. I mean, again, he's not Lambert or Kirkland or, you know, I mean, he's not going to be the next great Steeler linebacker like many of us had hoped. But he's playing well this year, and I I guess my bottom line is I don't see any instance where I'd rather have Spillane on the field than Jack or Bush. So going to keep an eye on that. Um, that is a wrap for the week. I will do my usual Sunday before the night game uh, podcast recapping Falcon Steelers. I like the, uh, the good guys' chances in this one. See you later.